we'll get kick started. Um, hi everyone, I'm Lilia from Territory 3 Kiwi Landing Pad Reimagined. Uh, we help Kiwi founders who are growing and going global. Um, and as part of that, we have this amazing webinar series with some cool guest speakers usually every week. And today we've got Elise Hilliam from MenuAid. Um, super excited to chat about her journey with MenuAid. It's kind of a fresh startup. I mean, you haven't been around for too long, right? It's no, it's almost our one year anniversary in two oh, weeks. Yeah, one year, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> very um, yeah, very um quick journey so far for you. Um, and you've just raised some capital and you're growing your team. Um, so there's a lot going on. Oh, and you're also based in Christchurch, which is super cool <laughs> down there. Um but yeah, I'd love to pass over to you to just do a bit of a um an intro, a bit of background. Um, how did you get into entrepreneurship? Like what yeah, yeah what, what was your journey? For sure. Um, thanks, Olivia. First of all, really nice to be here and chatting to you. And thanks everyone else for tuning in. Um, so yeah, kia ora everyone. My name is Elise. I am the co-founder and co-CEO of MenuAid. So I'll touch on what MenuAid is um, in a little bit. But I guess my background is I hail originally from Walkworth, which is just north of Auckland. Um, sort of grew up rurally um, with my family and then I knew at that stage that I had a passion and an interest in health and well-being, but I wasn't really too sure where or how or what that looked like. So originally I moved down to Dunedin to go and live the Scarfy dream down there. Um, and I started studying physiotherapy, um, but really didn't enjoy it. I remember I did a day's work experience and I was like, this small confined room touching people's knees, like this just isn't for me. Um, and so I quickly pivoted to sport and exercise nutrition. So I did um, a Bachelor of Applied Science in Sport and Exercise Nutrition and really loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. But uni did not um, sort of set us up for life after uni. And so I, yeah, I kind of came out of that. Um, and that's where I met Toby, um, who's my co-founder and partner. Um, and so we met at the end of our first year, spent four and a half years there and both came out thinking, what are we going to do? Um, and so... Thankfully, it was before COVID, so we just set sail and went traveling. Um, we did 10 months of traveling nonstop, which was incredible. Um, and the timing of it was like insane. Yeah, um, yeah, it was very, very good. And throughout that whole time, we were sort of like bouncing ideas off each other and trying to think of what we can do when we come back. Um, we're going to go and do the Kiwis in London thing, but thankfully, hindsight's a beautiful thing but also we just decided that that wasn't for us and decided to come back and get stuck into our careers here so I again still feeling very lost on what I was going to do Toby was in the tourism industry um, and I actually got into construction management so I started as a receptionist and honestly I got there because they were the first people to take me and I was super desperate for a job um, and at this point we just moved to Christchurch so I had no idea I didn't know anyone I didn't know the city like it was a real fresh start and so yeah started off as a receptionist there really like found it okay doing what I was doing but it wasn't really that challenging so said to my manager I just want to do what everyone else is doing mm -hmm. um and then COVID hit and it was actually throughout that time that I was lucky enough to be able to be studying construction management um and so that meant that when we came back from COVID whilst my receptionist role was kind of made redundant and was not really relevant I had been able to prove that I could be a project manager so yeah which was great and got into that and was really enjoying it um I just like learning new things so it was going well but uh quite quickly realized after about a year and a half that my passion just didn't really lie here yeah. um and always had this like nutrition something in the back of my head but I didn't really know what to do 
Um, Tobes is like a serial entrepreneur and that he's like constantly coming up with new awesome ideas and challenging the status quo. So I also had nutritionist and Toby in the back of my head thinking, well, how does this work? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, at the start of last year, Toby and I came up with the idea of Menu Age, which was purely born selfishly on our own um, frustration of being like, I can't believe we're 26 and we have got dinner time fatigue. Like we were just sick of deciding what to eat for dinner. I was a nutritionist and I was sick of it. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was not good. So we thought if we've got this problem, then many, many others do. So yeah, I guess that was the start of it. <laughs> oh, awesome. Um, and so I know, um, so you and Toby are both co-founders and co-CEOs, but I know yeah. Toby also has another startup, um, Mutu. So yeah. did you start that at a similar time or it was before? And how did you guys manage that? Like, even though he had, you know, he had another project on the go. Yeah, that's been a really interesting journey for us and is something that we have like kind of just got to the other side of, which is great. Yeah. Um, but essentially he started Mutu, um, he started working on it in lockdown, like seriously working on it. And then his job was made redundant. So um, that's when he went full time, which was awesome. And so he was doing Mutu for two years before we started Menuade, um, which was really good. And Menuade has gained hugely from that because of the learnings that he's had. And so... But yeah, when he started working on, we started working on menu aid, it was interesting, like trying to balance out the time, but I was also working full time. So we would sort of do like our other lives nine to five. And then, mm-hmm. you know, in the mornings and in the evenings, you were just doing what you could for menu aid. Yeah. Um, then it came to the point where I remember we would have like really clear conversations throughout mm-hmm. the year that we were working on menu aid, that when the single launches, one of us is going to have to go full time. And at that point, Muta was going really well. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, Toby was just kind of looking at me like this is this is on you and I was like yeah. okay I'll give it a go and so um we launched my plan was always to launch in September and then I thought that you know we'd work on it for a while and I would be able to resign from my job sort of mm. March the next year yep. um but we launched in September our goal was to get a thousand users by the end of a year and we had a thousand users in our first week uh so it was at that point that I was like okay I think there's I think I can resign. So I resigned from my job and finished up at the end of last year. Um, and then throughout that, so I was working full-time with our CTO, Will, and Toby was part-time with Mutu. Um, and we were sitting next to each other the whole day, so we were always bouncing ideas off each other, but it was definitely a lot for Toby to manage. Yeah. Um, and then when it came to raising capital, it created quite a few intense conversations mm-hmm. around, mm-hmm. Um, of course, investors want, want Toby's full commitment um but had already received investment for Mutu so it was like a bit of a bit of murky water that we had to navigate through but um ultimately we were able to which was awesome and um Toby's now brought another CEO for Mutu and he's jumped in to be my co-CEO for Menu Aid so he's just on the board for Mutu now which is great (laughs) focus on on Menu Aid um yeah for sure yes no that's awesome um in terms of yeah the whole raising capital so obviously you know your startup has moved very very fast um at, at what like how many months in um were you when you you know you realized you know you need to raise some capital to, to keep growing um and how you know what did that process look like were you looking for local investors or overseas um vcs and yeah curious yeah how that all um you know came together yeah for sure so we started off uh, we kind of knew before we launched that we were going to have to raise pretty quickly because 
menu aid is super scalable um, and globally and that was very much our intention from the start and so we knew that we would just need intensive capital behind us to make it happen but we definitely underestimated how much we needed so we started within a couple of weeks of menu aid launching as soon as we had any traction it was like okay let's just start talking to investors so we went down the typical angel investor kind of looking for a 250 first pre-seed raise like just almost because it was like that's what Toby Defamuto and it kind of you know we're like 250 would be helpful definitely um but I think we we definitely underestimated how much we needed um and so from pretty much no October until December we were just going around um touring getting trying to get angel investment we spoke to every angel investor um in like company uh, group in the country so and they all said no except for aim were the only ones that said yeah, we, could, we could be interested um but it's kind of christmas so like come and talk to us in a little bit and it was really bad timing um except we had one one angel called simon roland who came along and he just said like i just want to invest i believe in you guys and i'm, I'm in regardless and we we're like Thank God we needed that before Christmas because yeah, honestly, yeah, Christmas time you kind of want to avoid usually for any yeah. that sort of stuff. Anything, yeah, just wants to relax. And, uh, exactly, and they don't talk to you from like the start of December until the end of January. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. it, yeah. <laughs> it really put us on the back burner. Um, but that actually worked out really well because then, um, the start of January we got accepted into the Sprout um AgriTech Accelerator program. And so it meant that we started that at the end of January. Um, and part of the Sprout Accelerator is that there's an investment at the end, um, a possible investment at the end. So at this stage, we were still like trying to weed more money out of AIM and like get that 250 round closed out. Um, but it was they were definitely making us work for it. And mm -hmm. it was incredibly time consuming. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're sort of having like more and more and more traction and we realized that actually we just want to make this thing grow. So we definitely need more capital. So kind of revisited the game plan and our Sprout mentors really helped us with this mm -hmm. um, and said like, if you guys are thinking global, you need to, you need to raise more. So thankfully Sprout agreed and came on board and yeah, they closed out our round with a million dollar investment. So awesome. um, that's yeah so um but yeah that still took a while I mean so we were technically raising from like October last year mm. until I think we closed the deal in May so it was a long yeah. time <laughs> yeah, definitely um and so so you got the capital and what have you done with it you know so I know you've been expanding your team um you've just got an office space I believe in Christchurch yes. um yeah so what does your growth look like um you know since since then yeah, it's been awesome. It's been a real change going from having, um, we had our founding team of six, but most people working on it part-time. And then to having, now we've got 15 people in our team, which is just like insane. Um, so I guess, yeah, it's been, what have we been spending it on? A lot of it is just like employing people and getting them up to scratch and getting them on the journey. Um, yeah, our office has been a huge, um, huge improvement in our life, having this space for us to call our own. Mm -hmm. um and then now a lot of it is just going into marketing and customer uh, insights like we are obsessed with being a customer-led technology product and so we're spending a whole heap of time like it's 50 percent of my time and 100 percent of janine's time 
um, diving into customer insights, talking to them, figuring out what they want, and then building a platform that works for them. So mm-hmm. there's definitely been huge spend there, and then uh, the huge cost in developing our product as well. But, you can imagine because yeah. I know. Um, so you. I've read, you know, you do a fair bit of AI behind the scenes on the product. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that and, you know, what exactly are you trying to do with that? Um, to, you know, for, for sure. Me? Yeah, I, I call myself a non-technical co-founder, so I can give it like a, a high yeah, level. A high level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but essentially, we our end goal is to get to know you better than you know yourself from like exactly what you want to eat for dinner, exactly what you've already got in the cupboard and then exactly what you need to buy at the supermarket. Mm -hmm. So this has huge implications for like cost of living is ridiculous at the moment. And so it can save people like before even having this heavy AI integration, we're already halving people's grocery bills. So it's Mm -hmm. just incredible the impact we can have there, the food waste impact, the time, like we want to get you from like dinner inspiration to having your groceries delivered in three minutes. And so there's a whole lot of yeah tech behind it essentially that can see like trends of what you're buying and um, pick up what's on special at the supermarket and all sorts of things so yeah essentially think of it as like your little shopping assistant in your pocket yeah that's pretty (laughs) awesome um and solve so many different things within that Um, yeah for sure cool in terms of um you know pricing um model for you know say say someone like me were to sign up what kind of you know cost would I be looking at yeah so if you get the first two weeks for free to just come in and check it out and see if you like it and then from there it's only four dollars a week so our goal is to make it super accessible um for everyone and the four dollars that you spend as I said we're harboring some people's grocery bills so you'll you won't notice it so yeah just four dollars Amazing. And do you see, you know, in terms of that pricing structure, is that what you think you will continue with for the next while? Or are there other models, um, you know, that you might bring in? And yeah, I guess, if, yeah, if you've got any thoughts around that. Yeah, for sure. Um, It's a huge, like, focus for us at the moment is trying to refine this model. So right now it's like pay $4 and you get full access, don't pay and you don't get anything. And so we're, <laughs> we're trying to work out like premium and what that looks like, no, um, yeah. or if we have different tiers. Um, we're also working with the supermarkets we're having really good commercial conversations with both of them around receiving a percentage of the user's cart as a revenue stream Um, and ultimately the dream is to get all the revenue from the supermarkets and then give everyone free access to menu aid Um, Mm. we're not quite there yet but definitely like if we can cut that ticket then that will really help so yeah Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely picture it being something in every household that, you know, it sort of automatically tells you, yeah, what to yeah. put, you know, what, what you need to buy, and then it buys it for you, and just, you know, like a whole automated kitchen system. Um, exactly, I know, and we know that, like, the kids have got sport on Tuesday, so you need a fast yeah. meal that night, and all yeah. those sorts of things, so, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a big pipeline of dreams. <laughs> yeah, cool, no, that's awesome. Um, with, um, with scaling, what challenges have you faced? Um, so we definitely are still scaling and definitely are still facing challenges. I think, um, like from a personal perspective, mm-hmm. the balance of like leaving no stone left unturned, having every conversation, um, and picking up every opportunity, but also like spreading yourself thin. Mm-hmm. So I'm still navigating that. I really hate saying no. So I often, um, you know, like Toby's learned quite early on to, especially with Mushu, like there's only so many things you can do in your time. And so that's been really interesting. And also um, the evolve, evolution of my role and our roles like within the company, you know, we've gone from being incredibly hands-on doing absolutely everything mm-hmm. to now sort of being like a managerial 
role which is, mm. is super strange and is something that's very new to my my mm. life so um I think that's been a challenge and otherwise touch wood it's been going good <laughs> no that's awesome I mean <laughs> always better if it's a smooth journey but you know there always are different hurdles along the way and um I Definitely. guess it's being able to push through and overcome and learn and, and keep growing and um as as the founder journey is um, yes. not <laughs> um but no that's awesome um so when you are hiring staff what are you looking for and what kind of staff have you been hiring and are you still you know looking for staff to hire yeah, we've just closed out our final hire, which is such a relief because we've been looking for a senior developer since March. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a, it's been a very um, time-consuming process. But um, what we've been looking for is definitely cultural fit first. Um, it was we had like great debate and discussion with our mentors around whether you do like the technical test interview first and then you do the cultural interview or what. So mm -hmm. we landed on. Um, skills you can learn but culture is a lot harder to to train so we hire cultural first so things we're looking for is like are they innovative are they self-learners are they courageous are they fizzed about menu aid and like fully believe in our idea and what we're trying to do and um do we want to sit next to them 40 hours a week <laughs> like just a, yeah a real sense check and then um yeah so cultural first and foremost um and then yeah definitely has to you have they have to understand like the startup scene and that things change all the time and you have to be like fast on your feet and okay with things changing day to day yeah definitely yeah it's definitely different yeah very different working in a startup versus working in some you know like a typical corporate or, or definitely yeah mm. so you've just raised a million dollars um how much runway is that giving you and are you going to have to start raising again um anytime soon or or you know are you what what is your revenue looking like is that is it you know is it good like what, <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure questions like are you, are you going to have to raise again some point soon yeah is the is the answer yeah so our burn rate is definitely a lot higher than our mm. revenue and I think it will be for a long time to come um which is proving to be very difficult when buying a house actually as a side note because mm. as two directors of a startup that the bank wants three years of profitability I'm like startups don't have profitability for a very long time <laughs> um, so that's just a fun a fun side note but um yeah we are actually um have already started conversations with potential vcs that we're looking at for the next raise um our runway gets us through currently until may next year which is crazy um it will come along quite quickly it'll come along really quick and we know she that christmas is a real yeah exactly yeah so um pretty much q1 we'll be raising again um but we're already starting those conversations now to figure out if that's where we need to be then where do we need to be right now so that's mm -hmm. been super helpful as well with aligning the team we have our all hands um every second week and essentially that's just been like checking in with the key metrics like the stake that we've put on the ground Mm -hmm. um, and then going back from there so and all our OKRs and things like that are based off that so that's been really really helpful yeah cool yeah definitely like a team effort when it comes to um early stage startups you know you need everyone for sure aware of what's going on and and um help each other grow and, and such and um curious in terms of being based in Christchurch now I know Christchurch has an amazing <laughs> startup community um, we've, you know, we've had a, held a couple of um, meetups. Oh, yeah. it's, it's so vibrant. It's like out of all these, <laughs> I think it's one of the strongest, I would say. Um, and it just feels like such a good community. And so I'm curious, like, 
how have you found it? And, you know, do you get quite a bit of support from other founders um, in your local area? And yeah, what, what's it like being, I guess, in Christchurch versus, um, you know, other cities? Because I, I know you lived up um, above Auckland for a while and you did a bit mm. of travel. And yeah, so how do you find it down there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm definitely super biased because this is this is where I'm at, but I really love the Christchurch startup scene and mm. definitely thankful for you guys for um, helping build that culture as well. It's been awesome. But we've got like a few pretty incredible um, people pioneering the way for us down here, which makes the like the path really supportive, which is awesome. We've got, you know, Max from Lumen who was on here before and there's like Partly and Komodo and all these people who are just crushing it, Piper Vision, like um, Atik, all these incredible founders who are so accessible because Christchurch is really is like a small tight-knit city. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can genuinely reach out to anyone and anyone will support you, which is awesome. We've got like a Slack group, which is just a Christchurch founders group. And there's people flicking questions on there all the time. Like it's everyone is willing to put their hand up. I mean, yesterday I posted in there, we've just migrated mm. to HubSpot, which is like a behemoth. And so I just posted like, does anyone know, can anyone give me some tips on HubSpot? And or like Chris is coming around on Tuesday afternoon to just sit down and walk me through it. It's like that sort of support is just, been so helpful it means that you don't have to just you know trudge your own way through you've got like everyone's helping each other and it's like not competitive it's not secretive or anything it's just very open and transparent which we are very very grateful for yeah amazing um you know <laughs> you know usually startup um communities do have a little bit of you know that that competition kind of vibe mm. and, and you know maybe maybe up here in Auckland there is a, a little bit more of that um yeah it just seems like everyone's just, you know, friendly and, and friends down there. Um, yeah. Incredible. Um, so, so we love um, visiting down there and, and catching up with all the founders every every couple of months. Yeah, um, you have to come back. I know. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe in the next month or two, I think. Got to, got to plan up the next couple of months of travel um, this week. Love it. Um, in, um, in your space, uh, do you have any competitors? Um, what's, you know, what are the trends going on and yeah, sort of like what, yeah, what is happening in, in the space that you, you operate in, in terms of with the menu aid? Yeah, for sure. We've definitely got um, competitors. Most of them are global, um, which has been actually really helpful because there's yeah. heaps that we can learn from them. And um, so we just watch them kind of as closely as we can. I noticed that one of them has actually stopped sending me their emails, which is quite funny. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and, but yeah, there's a couple and like local, but I think um the power of menu aid is definitely the investment that we have behind us and the team that we have behind us um like everyone is motoring and this thing is moving at like it's got some great momentum behind it which is awesome yeah. um in terms of like trends that are happening in our space mm -hmm. there's different like there's a lot of um websites out there that can prescribe you a meal plan but it'll be like are you keto or are you like low carb are you wanting you know like they kind of put you in a bucket yeah. and um like a classic example is emails which is an american company and they've got like 32 different meal plans that you can choose from and it's like really boring essentially um whereas with like what we see the trend going and even like it's like spotify does it netflix does it the personalization is so key so um that's the trend that we are like very strongly going on is that like we essentially we're going to become the spotify for food and so like super personalized and, and yeah moving down that way so yeah cool I mean it kind of seems like the kind of thing like um like Amazon you know might be into 
um, into that space. Are you aware of, you know, things that they are working on in, in the space? Yeah, nothing directly, but I wouldn't be surprised if they just went and bought one of the competitors and yeah. um, and went there. So, you know, we'll start knocking on their doors quite soon, which is mm -hmm. really exciting. But yeah, we've actually got some really good connections into Amazon oh, kind of. So yeah, we'll explore that path definitely. <laughs> and is that, you know, something you might see yourself doing in the next couple of years is in terms of an exit strategy is selling to a big company like that? I think my ideal is to be with Minuet for like the next eight to eight to ten years. I definitely want to like Toby and I have full intentions to take this thing global, um, like with us along the ride as well. Um, we'd love for like a huge, you know, Samsung to come and buy us and put Minuet on all their fridges and things. But yeah. um, I mean, that would be amazing. Name a name a high price and I might consider it. But um, I yeah yeah I think it's definitely a strategy for way for much further down the line though. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think that's a good way to view it. Is like you know that it's something that you want to grow and you're going to put your passion into and then put you know um, everything that you can into growing it and then you know the big companies they will come along um they will yeah. see you growing and, and they will want a part of it and you know even if it's not buying you out it could be like maybe they invest and then yeah exactly them or you know things like that so um definitely a lot of options um to do um down that track in terms of your journey so far what would you say mm. has been the hardest or the most difficult thing um that you've come across um i think a couple of things like hiring was super interesting and quite a challenging time for our customer success role we had over yeah. 200 applicants which was crazy it was like how where do you even start and like saying no to people as I said earlier I don't love it so um that was really hard and so I think hiring has been super interesting um and also just yeah like as I mentioned before figuring out what my role is and kind of that evolution um because yeah. Minuet's gone a lot faster than I anticipated. So I thought I would have had a little bit more time to kind of like catch my breath. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I wouldn't change anything. I just think that it's like, it's been a really interesting, interesting few challenges for sure. Yeah, cool. Um, and in, in terms of yeah, the managerial side of things, do you have, you know, like, like um, an advisory board or mentors or people that, you know, you go to on a regular basis um, to support on that? Yeah. Yeah, so um, we've had different mentors throughout the stages, and I think that's been really helpful as well as having finding mentors for the right stage. Um, we've got like Sprout gave us mentors um, when when we did the accelerator, which was awesome, and then we've kind of like kept in contact with them, but not on such a formal um, mm -hmm. agreement which has been really great. And then right now I'm doing, some of you may know of the Abroad um, program, which is was supported by um, Angel Association NZ. So has been leading it. Essentially it's like a founder wellbeing program, um, but a lot of the focus is around like becoming a coach and like how you can be a good manager and have difficult conversations. And um, yeah, so that's been, I've been kind of doing that for the last two months, which has been really, really interesting. And through that, every second week, I have a one-on-one -on -one, um, coaching session with like a, a coach of mine, which has been awesome. I've been able to like, yeah, it's been really, really helpful actually. So yeah, that's been good. Um, and I guess, a, you know, a follow-on question from that is in terms of founder burnout, you know, have yeah. you had times where everything just feels like it's, you know, falling apart or, you know, too difficult and how do you you know how do you manage um just like keeping yourself well because i know that is you know it's, it's it can sound easy to some but it can be a big task when you're in the middle of 
growing a startup very stressful yeah for sure there's been a couple that like jumped to mind one was when we thought the sprout investment was gonna like not come through that was incredibly stressful and um we're also in isolation at the time so it was like we couldn't just like go blow our steam out somewhere so a a huge thing for like it's really helpful Toby and I being on the journey together because like we're literally next to each other in the meeting and no one knows me better than Toby and vice versa so it really helps like he can see when I'm about to crack and vice versa and so being able to just like blurt it all out to him really really helps Um, Mm. and also just ensuring that I maintain like balance in my life in terms of like I have taken up bouldering, which seems to be the most like common founder thing at the moment to take up bouldering. <laughs> but um, I have done that. And so I like make it a rule that I have to go there three times a week because that's really good for me to just like forget about things. And so trying to manage that and stay on top of it and recognize it before it gets really bad. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. I mean, I could mention, you know, it is quite interesting um, with you and Toby being a couple. And I know some yeah. people say, don't do that. You know, it's, it's going to cause yeah. you i mean it sounds like you guys you have your the way that you work together you've you've kind of nailed it um and i guess you know you've been together for quite a while and, and you've done a few things together and um mm. yeah i mean have you ever you know how um yeah, how does that go you're like oh no like <laughs> yeah for sure i think um there was like we're kind of just at a really good place now it's not been bad but it's been like so ever-changing yeah. especially with like kind of us both working full-time part-time yeah. and me full-time and now him coming in like it's been a real evolution um but what has been key for us is just like very upfront and honest communication um and yeah like just saying you're really annoying me right now and you know or like I don't like that or um and one thing uh I, I was talking to another couple that worked together and she was saying like I just say to him would you talk to any other staff member like this or you know like and vice versa which is a really good way to look at it because when you know that person so well you're probably going to say something that maybe you shouldn't because you're like well yeah we've got a different relationship so she's like I just said to him like would you talk to any other staff member like that and mm. so that's we yeah that's a good way to call each other out when you're yeah. being idiots but um most of the time it's really really fun and it's just like like I said no one knows you better than each other and raising was great because you're going around together rather than when Toby was trying to race for Muto it was like see you never you know you guys you guys are doing incredible um so I don't mind um what you've been able to put together together um so <laughs> for those listening um we are at the halfway mark um which means if you have any questions um now is the time to chuck those in the Q&A box uh, I can see a couple have come through already. Uh, we've got a question here from uh, Alison. Uh, could you tell us one or two things angel investors said um, that was part of their no? Um, and was it useful feedback that led to change or doing your pitch differently? Um, for sure. So I guess the first thing for them was it's just too early. So we were like a month in and we're a $4 per week like SaaS service. So it could change like you know any any second the the numbers could change and so we from that we realized that we need like a you know we should start looking at longer subscriptions because that helps us increase our LTV and churn and things like that so um they gave us heaps of feedback on that um and also that our churn rate was too high they're like just come back when your churn rate's lower so 
we started implementing like free because originally we didn't have a free trial so people would come in pay four dollars and then like not really understand so they'd just leave yeah, yeah. um and so yeah things like that we was definitely but yeah just too early and too high churn rate and also people are still a little bit scared of SAS, especially b to c because it can be so fluctuating so yeah that's cool yeah I mean honestly I think that's the best way to learn is you know when someone says no is, is ask them like you know what's the reason why and then you can mm. that and kind of apply that in, in your next moves um for sure do it um oh we've got a, a question I'm not sure how to pronounce the name sorry um who can we contact if we are interested in the next round oh <laughs> come and knock me on my door please yeah. um yeah connect on LinkedIn or my email is elise at menuaid.co.nz so would love to chat <laughs> definitely um yeah just another note any questions now's the time to chuck those in the Q&A box. Um, in the meantime, um, I'm just looking back at our notes that I've put together. <laughs> um, oh, you kind of really touched, uh, we had the question, like, if you started from scratch, like, what would you do differently? And I think you mentioned, you know, you, you are pretty happy with the way that you did it, or, you know, you wouldn't change too much. Is that, you'd still say that? Yeah, I think so. But I think um, I did think on that a little bit as well. And I think, I underestimated how um, hard it was to measure the data, which this mm. is just very relevant to us right now going in for our next raise because yeah. investors want to see like the progress and stuff. And you're like, oh yeah, I can tell you like in my head, again, non-technical co-founder, I thought like we could, we, I could tell you exactly what everyone does on the platform. I could tell you how many people click the countdown button. I could tell you how many people put, you know, like, oh, I thought it'd be super easy to just have this magical dashboard that tells me everything mm. that every customer does um but that's not the case and um it's like uh our developers don't love building out dashboards of metrics like it's not that it's not that sexy and so um it's like kind of a little bit of a not a battle but it's just like a an ongoing thing for us making sure that we are measuring um or have like a full-time data analyst that can just be obsessed with the numbers and i can say to them hey you know what is the perfect customer journey or like what so that one action that every converted customer does that we need to get everyone else to do, like those sorts of trends, I would just love to be able to get into the nitty gritty with, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah so that's, that's probably what I would change. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And I mean, there's always new, you know, new um, ways of doing dashboards and things coming out. So yeah, know, something, the perfect one might, might arrive um, at some yes, point. Hopefully. Yeah, yes, hopefully. <laughs> A question here from Steve. Um, have you thought about international approaches? And actually, that's a good point. I should have mentioned that one. Is like, are you, you know, are you offering this overseas? And and what are your plans? Yeah, in terms of going international. Yeah. Um. So we actually have uh, a user in the states and a user in Australia, which is like completely random. I don't know how, but uh, we just chat to them and ask them how they're finding it. But it's very much right now targeted for New Zealand because. We just want to refine our product market fit here. And then once we know that this is like super sticky, pour money in here and that equals X, then mm. that's when we're going to go overseas. So our plan is to start exploring global markets end of next year, like Q3, Q4. Um, mm. And we were originally going to jump to Australia first because it kind of just seems like the comfortable mass yeah. popover. Um, mm. But then we were challenged with that quite heavily um, by the ex-Greg Foran, the ex-CEO of Walmart. Yeah, he was like, 
nah, don't waste your time. Like Australia is going to cost you as much as it would if you go to the States, but the States is a way bigger market and you've got supermarkets over there like Walmart who mm -hmm. they've got 50% of their revenue is online, whereas in New Zealand it's 8%. So like they are very much a lot further along the lines in terms of wanting products and solutions like Minuet. So um, yeah, we just have to make sure that we're better and stronger than the competition in the States and then boost over there. So that yeah. is definitely the plan. <laughs> Oh yeah, and I can imagine like like I just came back from, from the states, and all the products are you know they're, they're different names, they're different brands, yeah, things you've never heard of before. So I can imagine mm. it can be a bit of a task to sort of integrate you know all these different products into what you're saying for people to buy, you know, for making their meals. Um, yeah, so definitely. And the like cultures are so different. Like the recipes are different. What they're wanting from a meal is so different. Like mm -hmm. a lot of people in America like heat and eat type things, you know, like, yeah, and yeah. they have smaller kitchens or they don't have gardens yeah. out the back or, yeah, yeah, and yeah. It also changes states to state as well. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's going to be a massive behemoth, but I'm very excited to, to go and check it all out. So yeah. <laughs> I do, yeah. I love love the states and in different ways. Um, yeah, Zealand, but <laughs> cool. cool. Uh, a question here from Tim. Um, can you spell a bit more on your fundraising efforts, team negotiation, valuation, etc.? Um, because there's not a lot of consumer platform marketplace plays in New Zealand. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Like on. Yeah. How did you figure out your valuation? Um, that was a lot that came from like Sprout sort of led right, us yeah. and supported us through that. And I think what was really important um, with the Sprout investment for us was that we had already had a really strong established relationship. So through the accelerator, like they had seen us at our best and, you know, like and worst. And so, and they knew us like inside out and mm. vice versa as well. We knew the whole Sprout team. We knew exactly who, um, yeah, who was like making these decisions and helping us. So um, Sprout came to us with a valuation and then we were able to sit down with them and really pick it apart. I honestly couldn't tell you the intricacies of it, um, but it was essentially like they we mapped out our whole capital strategy and we were so our exit in eight years and then kind of worked back on like what we need to raise at each stage and then what the valuation needs to be. And um, it was really beneficial because it meant that we could see like what our equity stakes were at different stages. So that was super helpful to not just mm -hmm. focus on raise number one, but actually like the whole journey. Cool. Um, yeah, that was, that was really, really good. Um, I'm trying to think if there's another part of that question that I've missed. Mm -hmm. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, you've talked a bit on um, fundraising efforts. So it sounds like you, you went and reached out to a lot of um, angel, angel investors and, and, you know, you got, you got one um, at the end and then you had Sprout. And, yeah. Um, we also talked to like every New Zealand VC as well. Um, and again, all of them said no, because it was just too early. But it means that now uh, when we're going for this VC round, like very much, we've already got the relationship with them, which is so good. And, you know, you see them at different events and things throughout. So even if you think it's too early to go on, like for them to be in your round, so we'll just go and ask them like, hey, well, next round, I'm going to come to you. So what do you need? And like, definitely establish those relationships as early as possible is my advice because it saves you heaps of time um and heaps of like backpedaling down the line so um yeah, that's yeah that would advice, actually yeah so it's a sort of yeah build on those relationships I think 
New, New Zealand is so small. Um, mm. It's important to, you know, be, be in a good relationship with everyone. Um, it's so important. But, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah and absolutely. Yeah, I guess the other part of the question was um, how there's not a lot of, yeah, consumer platform um, marketplace um, startups in New Zealand. So, mm. yeah, I mean, are there any in the space that, you know, that you kind of chat to or, you know, what have you, where have you taken insight from in terms of um, products like this? Yeah, um, we've talk, spoken with Max from Lumen quite a bit. Um, thankful that he's just moved back here after spending five years in the States building a 60 million um, user yeah. platform, which is insane. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, we've been talking to him heaps as well, especially they use a lot of AI um, in their system, so which has been fantastic. So he's been a really good technical, but also non-technical advisor for us. Um, the, I guess there like, isn't a whole lot of um, B2C marketplaces around, like he said, um, but I think just leaning on the ones that are around and um, yeah, you definitely face VCs. Like we've had um, two VCs come back to us already and say, hey, we want to invest in the next round because we're strictly B2B. Um, and that's fine. Like just know that and that's all good. You've just got to go on and prove to the ones that are willing to invest in you that you're worth investing in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot um, yeah exactly and yeah I mean exactly. if you like to, you know expand over there then maybe that could be yeah a good way to um to, to see what you know what investors you could find over there for the next round perhaps for um, sure and like their biggest obsession as well is that like how well do you know your customer because yeah. even if you've got like thousands of customers you still need to know them just as well as if you're like a one-to-one you know like yeah. more b2b and so that's every single person is like who are you serving how are you serving them like how are you talking to them so yeah definitely put that at the forefront yeah definitely uh, i've got a question here from anonymous um what did you get your churn rate to in the end and how many customers do you have yeah uh, there's no end to churn rate the end is the end mm, yeah far far gone um it was at the worst it was at 45 percent, which is like horrific and then we're now sitting down I think our stats for August were 8.3 um which has been great but our, our goal is to get it to two percent by December um and so yeah that's been that's been fascinating figuring that out um and then our current user count I think we're and we've got a user base of just over 9,000 and of active users, we've got just about one and a half thousand. So that's, yeah. When you say so the 9,000, they're all paying, but they're not actively using it? No, nah, so 9,000 is like, that's where I, you can see the churn. So we've had 9,000 people come okay. in and then of that, we've got one and a half um, still like paying and using menu ads. So. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, and you mentioned you might be changing the model in terms of like from weekly to longer subscriptions. So is that kind yeah. of- that might affect things as well um definitely ahead. i think that will play a huge part in in churn mm-hmm. as well so we've got um a big focus at the moment as a churn prevention strategy so it's yeah how do we get it down as fast as possible essentially so we don't mm-hmm. churn to death <laughs> good phrase um we've got up to 15 minutes left so if anyone has any more questions um do chuck them in the q a box now um so you can get to those um what does you know say the next up until Christmas, um, what does that look like for you? So obviously, you know, you've just hired a bunch of staff. Is it all just quite hands-on um, for the next wee while? Yeah, now it's like really getting stuck in and ensuring that we are turning the needle. Um, our like main objectives for the next, I've actually got them 
literally written right in front of me, but our main objectives are um, showing traction and progressing towards product market fit. Yeah. Um, always focusing on delighting our menu items, so how that looks and building a great internal culture. That's like our, our three objectives for the next three months. And uh, along with that is just proving yeah, the traction is so important for us mm -hmm. so that we're set up well to raise early next year. Mm, true. Um, question from me, what kind of um, you know, marketing channels um, have you been using and what do you find works best? Yeah, so um, Dan is our growth marketer and he is um, really good at digital marketing. So we've been exploring that quite a bit. PR has been mm. fundamental, like before um, we raised or anything like that, we had a database of over 6,000 and that was all PR. Like we didn't, much didn't spend anything on marketing. So that's yeah. been awesome. Toby is an absolute hustler with PR. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, now it's like SEO. We're just mm -hmm. about to launch a brand new website, which will really help with that. Again, I, I know high level, I understand it. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, a lot of a lot of digital marketing. And then I think once we establish, you know, like what a CAC, a good CAC is um, mm. on digital, then we'll start to explore other ones. But I honestly don't think that we'll do like traditional marketing until the next raise. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, there's only so much budget you can spend within each, you know, quarter. And so. Um, yeah, exactly. Reason. Um, oh, just had a question pop through from Steve. Um, have you looked at partnerships with uh, Pack and Save or Countdown to embed in their presence platforms? Yes. Yeah. So we're having, um, they've kind of been on the journey with us from the start. I think it was three days after we launched Countdown um, made contact, which was pretty awesome and said, this is, this is a great offer. Um, but we've been treading carefully because we know that the, the old duopoly can be quite snaky. Um, but now we've got in a really good position where um, they want to integrate with us so that menu owners can plan their meals, um, fill out their trolley, and then hit what supermarket they want to go to, and it fills out their trolley instantly for them. So um, that will be huge, and that will also help us identify what users have got at home and all mm. that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, we're having really good conversations with them currently, which is fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, and no, I think that's definitely yeah, the way to go is to integrate with um with different supermarkets and yeah. the idea of kind of like eventually being able to sort of clip the ticket on um on you know obviously if someone's spending it at countdown versus pack and save then that saves marketing dollars for countdown and so it would make sense yeah exactly kind of share the um yeah. The clip, yeah and it's what all our competitors are doing overseas as well um it's just yeah. New Zealanders like the supermarkets are dealing with like twenty five year old technology so they don't have APIs that we can just call on like they've, they've got yeah. to build it all so that's been yeah. we're just like trying to push them along to to do that <laughs> mm. um question here from Matthew at the start of your journey did you develop um the web or app before getting investment um and did you pitch the concept to initial VCs or did you already have a fully functioning system um yeah so we were fully functioning we had launched so we just have a website um and yeah, we were we were up and running. So mm -hmm. that was really good because you could just like walk them through and show them exactly what it was. Um, we we're also really lucky because Minuad really cost us nothing to get started. Mm -hmm. We had our team working um, for Sweet Equity. Our developer built it all. So um, and like you have to cook the recipes, but that was just Toby and I's dinners for the next wee while. So um, it wasn't it wasn't too expensive for us to get up and running. So we didn't need like intensive capital before we launched. So. Yeah, that definitely is, yeah. Awesome. Um, comment from Steve, uh, you could have premium um, with Bara and boutique markets. 
I love it. Yeah, we definitely are exploring the idea of um, getting like local markets and things involved and yeah. having like a map of where you can go and get all your ingredients from and things like that. True. I mean, yeah, because I mean, there's different types of shoppers, you know, some people, they wanted to go for just the, the cheapest and they're not too concerned about like exact quality of, of you yeah. know, like one loaf of bread versus another loaf of bread. But then some people are yeah. very, um, you know, that they, they want the, the best of the best. Um, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, sort of I like it. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, cool. I guess we've um, come to the end of our webinar. Um, and if anyone is listening and they aren't interested in jumping on the next round, they can contact you on LinkedIn or email. Um, and we will have recorded this webinar. And so I'll be publishing this on our YouTube, LinkedIn, website, everything, even uh, Spotify now, um, which is super <laughs> cool, um, and within the couple, next couple of hours. So if you know someone that was meaning to watch um, but couldn't, um, you can send it their way. Um, later today um, but otherwise a big thank you to Elise for sharing your story with us um, and I'm super excited to see you know where you're going to be in, in like six months because you're moving so fast and it's, it's <laughs> just watching yeah, um, your journey. Oh, thank you so much and um, yeah nice to see Claire here as well she's a she's a user so it's nice awesome. to see you here Claire thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Amazing. Cool. Thanks so much, everyone, for watching. Um, we'll catch you on the next one next week.